Lord, we thank you for this time together this morning. Father, for your presence here. That when your people are gathered together, you are in the midst of us. We thank you for your anointing. Father, we thank you for the work of God in this city. For Pastor Fuad, his family, the staff, the team, everyone that serves here in this church. We pray you bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Greetings from Turkey. Uh, some of us were just at the conference with Pastor Schaller in Turkey. Uh, many of them, well, actually, we had a good I think there was 13 people from Azerbaijan that were there. And, um, yeah, the music was great there. Uh, most of the time it was the Azeris leading the worship and doing the music. And it was a great time of fellowship. The um, subject of this conference was prayer. Prayer. It was really an amazing time together. And we really were stirred up together about the power and the potential of prayer. And we saw people from really all over the world there. We had people from Syria, from Iraq there. From um, uh, Kurdistan. Kur- Kurdish people there, Iranians, a good group of Iranians were there. Uh, It was very beautiful. It was an amazing conference. I said to Pastor Schaller and to Pastor Mati, I said, this this conference in Istanbul, it seems to be as important as Eurocon to me. It was... And uh, God is really doing something there. Pastor Niazi and Irada. You know Irada? You, you are married to this church in Istanbul. Uh, You're married to that church there. Uh, You're related by marriage. Your church in laws. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that um, you guys, what a beautiful work of God here, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, it's just wonderful to be here with you. And yesterday we had a good time with uh, the youth. We had a Bible study. Uh, we had food. More food. And then some more food. And I don't think anybody will ever die of starvation in this country. <laughs> Bu ülkede eşyasından ölmeyiz. 
Everywhere I went, there were some people that were lesgy people there. And I want to warn you about these people. They're everywhere. They are... I don't know what's happening. But they seem to be in very strategic places everywhere. <laughs> and I'm wondering what's going on. I don't know if it's a conspiracy or what. Just be nice to them. They have big knives. They do. How many have ever seen a lesgy knife? Okay. Damir raised his hands. Yeah. So we were um, we were at the uh, youth at the youth meeting yesterday. And, uh, I said I need to know some Azeri words. Words that are very important. So they gave me three words. Mahabe, um, right? Love, right? Right, they say that right? Uh, second word is Chok uh, Sagu. Thank you very much. And Pindir. Uh, <laughs> White cheese. <laughs> they said, if you know these three words in Azerbaijan, <laughs> you will never die. <laughs> so, I'm going to practice those three words. Okay. I was just thinking um, this morning and just these last few days about... Uh, Simple faith. Simple faith. The characteristic of the devil and the characteristic of evil is complication. Whenever the flesh of man is present in a circumstance, there's always complications, such complications, aren't there? Right? The devil hates simplicity. He hates focus. And he hates purity. He hates many things. But we're not worried about that. Because he is defeated. But we see here the beginning of the history of man. As Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's referring to a situation that we know very well in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, 
And I want to look at this together with you this morning. Okay. All right. In Genesis chapter 3, I want to read these verses to you. Genesis chapter 3. And maybe we could just have it read in Azari. Go ahead. Verses 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. Very interesting what Eve's perception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. She, she spoke about three things in this tree. The way that Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil really tells us a lot about the circumstance here. Number one, she said that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the middle of the garden. But the question is, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they could not eat of, was that really in the middle of the garden? Or was it just in the middle of her mind? Because we see in Genesis chapter 2, that it's not in the middle of the garden. But in verse 9 of chapter 2, the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. That's very interesting. I didn't see that until this morning. That somehow the tree of the knowledge of evil, good and evil got, was in the middle of the garden in Eve's mind and not the tree of life. And this is really the beginning of deception for Eve. The devil wants to deceive the believer. He wants to deceive you. And he wants to do that in a very crafty way. In Ukrainian they say hitri. Russian too, right? Very hitri. And this is what happens, is that somehow the focus of Eve's attention becomes the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
But in God's garden, the tree of the of the tree of life was in the middle of the garden. It was a tree of grace, a tree of faith, a tree of love, joy, peace, a tree of provision, a tree of beauty. It was the center tree of the garden. But the devil is always trying to put something in the center of our life that really is something other than the tree of life. He wants to put a tree of emotionalism or a tree of um, of, of need in the middle of our garden. In short, the devil wants to put something in the middle of your garden that's not the tree of life. And this is what caused comp this is what causes complications for Eve. Number two, Eve says. We see here the devil says, or the serpent says, uh, did God not say that you could eat of all the trees of the fruit of the trees of the garden? And the devil is just saying here, everything is great, everything is good. There is no bad. There is no devil. There is no evil. There is no destruction. It's all good. But Eve does not catch it. She's lost her discernment. And she says, Here's the second thing that she says about the tree. That we cannot eat it. Right? Nor can we touch it. She adds something here. God said you can't eat the tree. Eve said, you can't eat it, nor can you touch it. So now the tree has become the center of her mind, the center of her garden. And now she's become very sensitive to that tree. Hypersensitive. And she said, we cannot even touch it. That is extremism. And the devil wants to bring extremism into our life. God is saying, I don't want you to eat that and digest that. And Eve says, we can't even touch it. You know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we know what that is, don't we? This is just knowledge outside of faith. It's knowledge outside of grace. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is everything that happens when we stop thinking from God's perspective. Because outside of faith, 
Outside of grace. Outside of the love of God. It's all about what's right and what's wrong. What's good and what's bad. What you can do and what you cannot do. And that's where I think many Christians are today. I cannot. I can touch this, but I can't touch that. But God is not at that tree. Oh, this person failed, so he's bad. But this person didn't fail, so he's good. At the tree of life, God doesn't. God is not talking about good and evil. God is not talking about good and bad. God is talking about Jesus Christ. Like that song that we sang this morning. How beautiful is Christ. How wonderful is Jesus Christ. The anointed one. The Holy Son of God. The Son of God. The Holy One. The beautiful one. That's the tree of life. And when we eat at that tree, we are healthy. We have vision. We have joy. If I could just digress for a minute. I was thinking about Ishmael and Hagar. And I was thinking about the teaching of Islam. Specifically, that God has that God is not a father. Number one, and number two, that God does not have a son. And I was thinking about these two principles, and that in Islam, uh, you cannot adopt people. I don't know how it is here, but in some Islamic countries, you cannot adopt. Cannot adopt. Why is that? Because if you look at the story of Ishmael, he was a son of Abraham through Hagar. But what happened? Ishmael became an orphan. He became an orphan because he was rejected. And his mother was rejected. And I think at Ishmael, at a young age, as a young boy, I think it damaged his soul. That he was the apprised, loved child of Abraham. He was a he was a child of Abraham that was loved. But now he is in the desert with his mother, waiting to die. And I think that moment Ishmael said, "I have no father." And the way Ishmael looked at God, God is not a father. He is a he is a very strict and hard God. No love, no mercy, no grace. And the second principle of Islam that God has no son. And I think that that Ishmael, when he was rejected as the son of Abraham, I think he understood that God that that God has he said God has no son. I am not a son. The way the 
the tree that Ishmael was eating at was not the tree of life. He was eating a tree of his experiences, a tree of his pain, and a tree of his suffering, and a tree of what his mother suffered. What tree are we eating from today? The tree of the knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. The young generation today, the generation of young people, are very aware of justice. What is right and what is wrong. This is the wrong tree. And so Eve says, you can't touch the tree. We can't touch it even. You know, I don't have time this morning to talk about this. But this is the root of Gnosticism right there. That God didn't say you cannot touch that. He said, I don't want you to digest that in your life. It's like, okay, let's use a practical example, like a TV. You know, some say that a Christian cannot have a TV because you cannot touch a TV because it's evil. You know, you can't have that because it's evil. But let's look at that for a moment. What is what are we saying there? Well, the TV as a physical object is not evil. But what am I digesting from it? What am I eating from that TV? The computer, the internet. Okay, those things are not physically evil. That's what Gnosticism would say. It would say, oh, that's an evil device. You cannot touch that. That's evil. That's what Eve said. God is saying, what are we digesting? Is it faith at the tree of life? Or is it something that's different? And so when I turn that TV on, I have a choice. When I'm on the internet, I have a choice. What am I digesting from the internet, from the TV? Am I digesting faith-building things like messages from Baltimore, from Pastor Fuad? Godly, godly videos about the life of Christ or something? Or am I digesting something else? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? That there is... What are we digesting? That's the question. And Eve had a hypersensitivity to the tree. Which created an improper relationship or understanding about the tree. Like when you are told don't touch something, you're wondering, what does it feel like? Don't touch that. 
But what does it feel like? You're looking at it, you know. And that's the law, isn't it? The law says, do not touch. But Jesus touched the leper. And he healed the leper. Even though the leper was sick. Um, one brother was telling us last night that where he ministers, people are very, very, very sick. But God protects him and his family. Why? Because what is in us is bigger than what is in the world. That the promises of God in us deliver us from the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then the third thing is that Eve said about the tree that if we do, we will die. And in the Hebrew, she gets the grammar wrong. And I don't have time to talk about this this morning. But God said this, in a, he said this in an indicative way, that the day that you eat of the fruit, you will die. But she says it differently in the Hebrew. She saw that it was good for the eyes, which speaks about our appetite. Our appetite. And I think that the tree in her mind, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was not in the midst of the garden, became the focus of her attention. Because there was something there. And that's what happened. That was the first step of Eve's problem. She looked at the tree that it was good. And number two, that it was pleasant to look at. Do you know, our eyes are going to look at the thing that our heart is looking at. You know, we're going to be looking for things in the world that our heart is already gazing at. This is called the lust of the eyes. If I'm looking at something in my heart secretly, my eyes are going to look and then there it is and it's going to find it it's like looking for somebody in a big crowd you ever do that before you know you're looking for your mother in the crowd and there's hundreds of people maybe you're at the bazaar or at the train station and you're looking for one person and you're scanning the crowd, you're looking, 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 looking. And in your heart, you're looking for your mom. And then, there she is. How did you find her so quickly? Did you have time to calculate every aspect and characteristic of each person? Did you have time to even remember what she was wearing? No, but it was in your heart. And there she is. The eyes 
are going to find and are going to see what the heart is looking at. Uh, for example, in Jeremiah 17, that we don't see the heat when it comes. We don't see the hard times when it comes. Why? Because we have eyes that are fixed on the tree of life. We are only seeing the grace of God in our life. How many of you have traveled somewhere and it was a very difficult trip? And you have two kinds of people on the trip. Those that only see the hard times and the bad things, and then you go, you have these people that really see the hand of God. Because our, our, the eyes of our heart are tuned to the, to, to the tree of life. And Eve's eyes have put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. There's so much we could say about that, but I want to finish with this. That there's a call of God in our lives. This is a call of God that's amazing. Jesus called his disciples. And they heard his calling. Because it was in their hearts to hear God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you don't hear and understand my words and what I'm saying. Because my words, my words are not in you. For example, the man who hears the call of the sea will become a sailor. The man who hears the cry of the need of humanity and people. <coughs> will become a doctor. Or a philosopher. Or a counselor. But the man that hears the cry of the Lord. Or the world. Will become a missionary. We hear what our eyes are looking at. We see what our eyes are looking at. We see what what we have in the center of our garden of our hearts. How many understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? We hear what we're looking at. Sometimes people miss the call of God and the will of God in their life. Because they're looking at something else. They're looking at what something else. When we hear the Spirit of God speaking, there's a deep desire to make decisions by faith. When we hear God speak, maybe we are by ourselves. And God speaks to us. Think about a day when God spoke to you in your life. I remember visiting Ukraine. I was uh, 25 years old. I was 
visiting Ukraine with a group of Polish people from our Bible college in Krakow. And we were in a tram. We had just finished doing some Bible studies and some outreaches in And there was a, there was a group of people in that city that we had met and I'm sitting in the tram riding to the train station and I heard the voice of Christ speak to me would you come here and pastor these people why? because when we're focused on the tree of life the grace of God the love of God the word of faith there's a deep desire to take steps of faith. The great temptation today is to have very good doctrine, very good teaching, but no passion, no zeal, no desire to take steps Pastor Fouad was sharing with me yesterday or the day before yesterday <laughs> about the trips that they're, they're taking and that they want to take to Georgia. That's so exciting. I love that. That is so awesome. And I want to go with you guys. I want to do this with you. I want to go with you guys. I've never been there. You know, when we think with God, who and as I was, who who do you know is thinking about going to Georgia? People are thinking I got to work. I got to do this with my family. I got to take care of myself. My health is bad. But your, your pastor and some of you are thinking about another country that doesn't even speak Azeri. Why? Because your church is looking at something different than what the rest of the world is looking at. Because we hear the voice of God. Because faith reveals an invisible kingdom. Romans 1 verse 17. I'm going to finish with this. Faith reveals an invisible God. Someone says, well, where is God today? In this world of evil and this world of tragedy. Where is God? When we take steps of faith in our life, in the word of faith, in the body of Christ, when I'm a teenager or a young person and I say you know what God has a calling on my life and I'm going to take steps in that direction to be discipled in Bible college to go on a mission trip maybe a short mission trip and as I do that as a young person I'm revealing an invisible God to people how many times have you saw someone 
who is in a very difficult situation. And they say something about the faithfulness of God. They say something about the love of God. About the power of God. And you hear them say that. And when they say that, you can see God in that hopeless situation. How many times have we been in hopeless situations and someone came to us and said something from the tree of life and then suddenly we see God in our situation. Faith makes an invisible God visible to a dying world. It also does something else. Faith, your faith, your trust in God, your walk of faith, your talk of faith exposes the invisible kingdom of Satan. Satan hates faith. Satan doesn't care like, okay, if you go to church and you're a good Christian and you're not doing anything bad. Okay, you can do that. Just don't get too fanatical. Don't take steps of faith. Because when you take steps of faith, you know, Satan's kingdom that's hidden gets revealed. Whoa, whoa, that's right there. When you take a step of faith, Satan hates that. Because in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. From faith to faith. When you and I choose to trust God at the tree of life, the devil's lies are exposed. And we have power with God. 1 John chapter 4. What overcomes the world? My hard work for God? My, my, my whatever I'm doing? No, your faith. Your faith overcomes the world. Demons hate faith. When you and I choose to, to, to trust God, the atmosphere has to go. You know, I like how Paul defines sin in, Rom in Romans 14, verse 23. Paul defines sin as this. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's, I mean, you have in the Old Testament all of these commandments. All of these commandments. They start with ten commandments, and by the time of Jesus, there were thousands of commandments. Jesus narrows it down. Paul simplifies it. And then Paul says at the end of his letter to the Romans, he says this. When you and I stop walking by faith in our life, we are in a place 
where we can be deceived. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe I'm not doing anything bad, but I'm living in a natural perspective of my life. I'm looking at a natural perspective of my church, of my marriage. Sarah, and we just had a wonderful last night last night with with uh, talking about wives. Sarah walked by faith and followed her husband. And she couldn't have a child. But she left all of that behind. Followed the call of God. And what did God give her? A child. Would she have had a child in the Ur of Chaldees? I don't know. Maybe not. But God gave her a child as she went with, with her husband. When we walk by faith, we possess those things. In Obadiah 1 verse 17. We possess those things that God has for us. God says to you and I this morning, I have an awesome plan for your life. I have an amazing plan for you. You may say, well, I'm old. I don't have any money. I'm not a good speaker. I can't play the violin like that brother was playing. You know, I can't sing like the, the like you know, Svieta and her husband sing. I can't sing like that. You know, I, I can't evangelize. But you know, when you take a step of faith, God gives us something. He gives us something that our needs are. And that's the way God loves to do that. If you look at your life today, all the wonderful things that you have, we can see that those things are in our life because we took a step of faith. When I look at my life, all the amazing things that God has given me, my are things that God gave because I took steps of faith. If I didn't go to Poland, I wouldn't have gotten my, the wife that I have from Poland, my beautiful wife. If I didn't go to Ukraine, um, I wouldn't be able to speak Ukrainian. <laughs> I wouldn't have met all these amazing people. If I didn't come on this trip now, I wouldn't have learned the word Pindek. I would have been lacking so much in my life. See what happens when we walk by faith? Amen. Pastor Schaller says hi to you. The whole church in Baltimore says hi to you. Pastor Mati, uh, Susie Cornell says hello to you. How many remember Susie Cornell's father, Pastor I live now in Philadelphia and I'm pastoring his church. God is doing wonderful things. And I'm here until Wednesday afternoon, so I'd love to spend, spend time with you. 
Eat some pinder with you. <laughs> Gotta do that. Some shashlik and some, <laughs> you know, some uh, kebab. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. <laughs>